Ballet to Monte Carlo before he joined San Francisco Ballet as a soloist in 2002. The following year, he was promoted to principal dancer, and you have seen him in just about everything I think we've ever done. He has been uh, dramatic roles such as Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet. He has been a humorous sailor in Jerome Robbins' Fancy Free. He has danced incredibly modern works such as McGregor's Eden Eden and Forsyth's In the Middle Somewhat Elevated. And uh, most recently, he has been the poet in this production of John Newmyer's Little Mermaid. So welcome, Pascal. Hello. <laughs> and I think we should just jump right in and start talking about The Little Mermaid, since that is what everyone is going to be seeing today. Well, <laughs> um, I, well, I have a question. Okay, go uh, ahead. <laughs> you know, we announced in the spring last year that we would be doing this production. Had you ever worked with John Newmeyer, and did you know anything about what this ballet is like? Because it's certainly not like our normal full-length ballets, such as Swan Lake and Romeo and Juliet. Um, I haven't worked with John Newmeyer before he was coming here to set the ballet. Uh, I, have been, I have seen many different productions of him, uh, like La Dame aux Camellia, like two years ago in Paris Opera, uh, also Sylvia that um, he, he has done for the Paris Opera too. So uh, even if I haven't worked with him, I was quite familiar with his style by seeing like different ballets of his. And um, what you're going to see uh, this afternoon is um, what we call uh, like dance theater, but also it's very narrative, of course, because it's the story of The Little Mermaid. I mean, the, the real one, not the Walt Disney production, um, <laughs> with the happy ending, you know. <laughs> but um, um, it was such a great time to actually work with him. He's uh, such a genius on his own style. Yeah, he has his own vocabulary, and everything what he's doing is uh, animated by really a, a lot of feeling. He's very engaged uh, in his work with a, a, a lot of emotion. Actually, it's a lot of uh, emotion in the ballet, through the ballet, especially with the drama uh, who occurs on stage. So... Um, as an artist, it's, for me, it has been like a milestone to do the, this role, the poet. It's so complex, um, and it really enriches your inner. And um, I'm really already, I mean, I'm, I'm done with the performance for this season, but I'm really looking forward to next season to do it again. Now, when did you first start rehearsing this? When, when does a company like San Francisco Ballet first learn a ballet? And did John come and teach you the steps, or were you able to look at a tape of a previous performance in Hamburg? Um, we had the tape uh, always. We, I mean, if it's a ballet who has been done before, we always have DVD that we can watch. Um, I didn't watch it before it was coming. I, in one way, I would prefer like to get the all the info like uh, directly. And so sometimes you understand, not sometimes, most of the time you understand better what is it about. And so we, like always, we learn all the ballet uh, from July to October, November. So actually we started to learn this ballet, um, I think, in end of July for three weeks. And it was a lot of information 
and uh, three weeks was not maybe not enough, you know, to to learn everything, especially like the part of the poet, because he's the narrator of the story, and so he's on stage like for, I mean, almost the entire ballet, which is like physically very demanding, and uh, emotionally uh, even more draining. <laughs> Now, did you talk with John or anyone else who has done this role previously to get yourself in the mood emotionally? Actually, um, Lloyd Ringins was here to actually uh, teach us the part of the poet. And uh, actually, this ballet has been done for uh, Copenhagen at first. And the poet uh, uh, was here all, all the way, all the ballet, but... Uh, Lloyd Ringins, when they, they brought it back to Hamburg, uh, really developed their role and giving like more and more importance, more dancing. Um, and so Lloyd was here with us, so it was great to uh, get all his feedback uh, to try to really understand uh, all the ballet because the, um, the poet is like a really, really multi uh, layer character. Uh, in the story, he's the narrator, of course, so that's why he's here all the way. But uh, he's also part of the reality. Uh, he's part of um, what I call the story itself. The I mean, the poet is really the story. He is the story inside the story. So that's why it creates actually many different layers and, and you, you can read this, this part in many different ways as a spectator. And that's why it's so interesting. Well, I understand that John Neumeyer really does like each dancer to bring his or her own interpretation and feelings to the part. Do you think that your performance as the poet differs in some ways from Damien Smith's or Lloyd's? Uh, yes, of course, I think we have um, all different personalities and, and the way we understand the story after we're going to rel relate it like differently too. Um, you have like, <clears throat> you can say uh, the, same, the same thing in many different ways and actually that's what we do. And uh, so for me to actually have Lloyd on stage, to have Damien on stage, seeing them a lot of time, like give me a lot of inspiration on what I wanted to do and the way also I wanted to do it. So, yeah, it has been for me uh, very important to watch them and, uh, and also so like that built my own interpretation of it. The poet moves in between the water world and the land world in this piece because he's sort of an alter ego for the Little Mermaid. Completely. Was, was there any challenge to learning that underwater movement? It's a bit different than your usual jetés. That's for sure. I mean, uh, um, like I say, it's, a, it's a, a role where you have to... Uh, explain almost everything and make yourself really believe, believable to make understand um, to the audience what you want to say. So when you are like underwater, uh, you need to have like a, a fluidity and in the same time like some uh, isolation on your different part of your body to make understand that you are actually underwater. It's like almost like being on the moon too, you know, where everything is kind of slow motion, but in, in the same time with the fluidity and different parts moving at different um, a speed, 
just to make understand that maybe at that time like the water was like getting like faster and so it's it's like just by also hearing the music the score is so interesting it helps you really to move your body in the sound of the music it's like the sound of the wave sometimes so for sure it has been challenging but uh, that's the purpose of it <laughs> well the music is very different in this a theremin is part of the setup and i'm wondering um it's it's lovely music but did it um was it different learning something to this music? Was it harder to count and hear your cues? Um, actually, uh, at first, the first hearing of the music was like some parts are so melodic and so beautiful and some other are, are more distorted. And like a little bit like a sound that you can see under, uh, that you can hear underwater actually. And that was very interesting. So some part was like more difficult to hear and to understand, but we had like we have like a lot of visual cues to indicate when to go in or go out of stage, you know. But um, for most of the the part of the score, it's a really a beautiful score, and emotionally so charged too that it's really like convey that you bring all what is inside of you outside, you know. It helps a lot. The set is also a little bit different, and I don't want to give away the ending to anyone who hasn't seen this before. I know we have some repeat audience members here, but um, were there any challenges in the set? Um, and sort of, it, um, it's very physical. It is very physical. There is not a, something very hard about the, st the, the set and to play with. The, the hardest point is actually to move uh, constantly into that set and is of course changing a lot and because he's, the poet is the narrator so he brings back the set, you know, the, when he, he turns, he has his little book and that's why I like to say like he's the story inside of stories because he has constantly a book with him and we could think that he's maybe reading another story, but actually the story that he's reading, it's what the audience see instantaneously on stage. And I like those parallels that he's made. But like to come back on the set, there is no um, uh, a special danger or, or something with the set, but it's really like how you're going to move with the set to get you at the right place at the right time. That's maybe the most challenging thing with the set. You really are a great actor in this. I saw you do it on Wednesday. I'm wondering if you have a particular enjoyment of works in which you can bring out your acting ability, or if sometimes you just want to uh, give up on acting and just go for the movement. Oh, no, not at all. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love to act on stage. I think every dancer uh, should act. You know, I think it's part of our job. Um, especially with those kind of ballet, full-length ballet, when there is a story. Uh, I love to bring emotion on stage. I think any artist is, uh, is willing to do that because that's the, the highest point you can get. When you are doing a foresight, it's way more physical. There is no story behind, but you can invent one for yourself. And so I think like every movement who has really a thought behind will get to the audience in a better way. So if you are just doing some motion to do some motion physically, it might be like attractive to the eye because of the, the physicality of it, 
but uh, if you can bring a thought behind that, uh, I think uh, the energy and everything's going like much further away and, and actually is well more taken by the audience. So um, as an artist, for sure, when, I mean, the thing I love the most is like to tell story. Yes. While you've been dancing on stage at night during Little Mermaid, I know you've also been spending your days rehearsing. Um, can you tell us, first of all, for those who don't know, what a day is like in the day of a dancer and then what you've been rehearsing for the rest of the season? All right, boss. If I take like my schedule like two days ago, for example, um, we are pre preparing program six and seven. So there is a six short ballet of 20, 30 minutes. So my day, the day uh, on Friday, for example, we have the class always at 10, going until 11.15. Then I went straight to 12.30 to 5.30, so five hours of rehearsal, a little nap, <laughs> um, some rice or pasta, some, uh, something to eat, then the performance. So it's quite a, a very long day, but... Uh, I mean, we are used to it, I will say, in one way. So, yeah, it's a lot of work, and um, but uh, we need to be ready for the other program coming. So, so what are you doing in the upcoming programs? Um, so I'm doing, I think, four ballet out of six. So Russian season, uh, Rush, The Concert, and Underskin by Renato Zanella, which is a, a premiere for the... San Francisco Ballet. He has been created on us. He came also during the summer. So you were learning a full-length ballet for the first time at the same time, pretty much, that you were learning a shorter piece for a mixed rep. Mm -hmm. uh, what can you tell us about the Zanella piece? About the, uh, the Zanella the, piece? Um, I like a lot Renato, too, because he's also very emotional. His piece is a little bit abstract, but underneath there is like a, uh, his own thoughts. I mean, I don't want to reveal too much because it's also very visual and there is different tone and different atmosphere in his ballet. Uh, I think the people here are going to enjoy it a lot. Um, actually, for the gala, like uh, three years ago, he came to do a little piece of two minutes uh, called uh, Alice Walter, and uh, it has been a, a great, great success during the gala. I was dancing with Nicolas Blanc, it was a little duet. And uh, from there, I think Helgi was very interested uh, by his works. That's why he, he asked him to come and set a piece for, for the San Francisco Ballet. And I think the, the audience is going to like it a lot. Great, I look forward to seeing that. Are there other choreographers or pieces that you would like to see either brought back to the ballet or incorporated for the first time into the repertory? You mean with the last... Uh, well, just looking to the future, any particular pieces that you would like to do or choreographers with whom you would like to work? Um, I mean, I, you were mentioning earlier um, the ballet of Wayne McGregor, Eden Eden, and uh, I remember having like a really a great time to work with him. And actually, we are lucky enough to have him coming back next season to do another ballet of him, of his. So I'm really delighted by uh, by the programmation next year too. 
And uh, it's, you know, what is great, it's, uh, it's been for me eight years that I'm here. And of course, there is somebody that are coming back that I have danced eight years ago, like Rush. Rush has been created eight years ago that we performed first in Scotland. And so uh, Christopher Wildon created this uh, ballet with me, with Nicola at that time. And so we give it back like this year, I mean, like for the next program. And it's great to always uh, revisit it, the ballets that you have done like a long time ago, because uh, with the time passing, you know, you look at it in different ways and you have a different approach. So like to do it again, it's really a pleasure. And because it's still like, even if it's eight years ago, you still have like a, a, a body memory. So when you look at, like just by listening actually at the music, some steps are coming back to you. So it's quite interesting to try to perfect them, you know, and uh, give another lecture of this choreography. Now, in a case like that, is Wielden coming back to work with you again on this piece, or since he created it eight years ago, is it just in your hands to make sure it happens well, correctly? <clears throat> it's first in the hand of the ballet master, Afanita Pasciotti. She, she, she knows it on the, on the fingertips, like you say, au bout des doigts in French. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so um, we are rehearsing. I mean, I don't think that Christopher is going to come back to try to rehearse to rehearse us. Um, we have Anita, it's more than enough, and especially when the dancers have done, have done it also before, it's, it's not that complicated to put it back on, on stage. One of the things that the ballet recently announced is that the company will be touring to Copenhagen in August, and I'm wondering about the importance of touring to dancers. Uh, to tour, I mean, touring for dancers is <clears throat> very, very important, as important as for the company, is as important for the dancer, but the company, to make sure that <clears throat> we are we are seen on an international scene, and because we have like one of the best company in the world, or maybe the in the top three, so for sure we need to be seen outside of um, of San Francisco, uh, and everywhere we go, we have a lot of success. So it shows actually the quality of the company. So for dancer, it's always very important to, uh, uh, to dance outside and to give, of, of course, his best for the company and for himself and to be front of another audience because they might react differently uh, depending on what ballet we are dancing. So it's always interesting to, uh, to get the feedback uh, of different audience and how they like it and how they receive it. I imagine you might have a little bit of time off in between the end of the season in May and the tour in August. Any plans for hmm. what you'll be doing? Um, normally, I'm always going back to France and visit my family and uh, uh, try to enjoy some cheese and wine at home. <laughs> <laughs> but for this summer, actually, I will be working during all summer because I have a project with ACT. We were talking about acting, so I will do more acting, but this time on another stage at the Gary Theater. And so I will be uh, rehearsing um, during uh, the month of May and performing in June. And that's going to be for me a great opportunity to be in a different world, not the one that I'm used to, but like uh, it's a great experience to be with 
actors and dancers and uh, melting each other in a, in a, in a project where uh, it's nobody speaks too much in that, uh, in that play, but it's more about body language and situation and looks. And so for me, it's a continuity, but going like on another stage. So it's, uh, I'm looking really forward to, to continue actually to work with them because it has been like two or three years that we have like some workshop like for a week to try to develop this project. And for those who don't know, it's called the Tosca Project. The Tosca Project. And I think there's some other San Francisco ballet dancers, either current or former, who are yes. involved. Uh, Lorena Fejo is going to be uh, one of my partners um, in that play. Uh, I don't want to reveal too much, but uh, the Tosca Project come from the Tosca Bar in North Beach. And it takes, so... It, it goes, it's a long story where there is a lot of people interacting with each other uh, from the first earthquake uh, till uh, our days. And so it's situation between people the before war, I mean during like the prohibition time, before war, the after war, the 80s. And it's linked to also uh, a lot of personality who, uh, who was part of uh, the story of this bar. So, Are you depicting a particular personality? Um, at one point, I'm, I'm depicting uh, Nuryev, and he was uh, very close to the owner of this bar. And when he was like, um, actually, um, the KGB was looking for him, and and I have many little story like that, knowing that he was hiding, you know, in that bar. And so, for sure, that this place is very charged emotionally, but also historic historically. So uh, it's going to be great to try to relate that on stage. Fantastic. Um, now I want to open up the questions. Uh, what special techniques do you use to remember dance, the steps, and so on? I marvel that you go through the whole thing of feet, not hips. I'll repeat the question. It's what techniques do you use to remember these works of dance? The m most important for me, the techniques <clears throat> will be the music because the music's going to call my steps. So for me, what's important is the music and what I want to say emotionally. So if I connect those two, as soon as I hear the music, the steps come. Yes, of course you have to learn them in your body, but what really creates something uh, uh, special if, if you animate your steps with the music. And if you are making just one with the music, it's like, you cannot be lost. <laughs> Other questions? Let's see. Right um, back here? Yes. She's wondering if both the poet and the Little Mermaid learn something through their unrequited love in this piece. 
Unfortunately, it's a sad story, but they learn about impossible love. That's the main point of this ballet, unfortunately. And um, yes, the mermaid is the alter ego of the poet. And, and that's why the poet is writing and, and that's why the poet is creating the little mermaid because in one way I think the poet is the mermaid. It's like somebody who wants to write, somebody who wants to feel something, but instead of writing with the first person, with I, is going to use a body or somebody to explain what he's feeling inside. So the mermaid is the vehicle of what uh, I think the poet, which is uh, uh, Anderson, the writer, what is ex what he's feeling inside. That's how I see the, the ballet. Other questions? There is. The question is, when you're in a piece like this and you're not spending much time off stage, what do you do during those limited moments? Yes, you are, you are right. I'm drinking a lot because uh, <laughs> with the outfit that we have and so because we are constantly on stage, uh, you'll see Damien or I, we, we are losing maybe three, four, five pounds <laughs> during this performance. And uh, yes, water is essential. So we don't have a lot of time off stage, but as soon as we had like uh, uh, we had like some little uh, uh, drinks already ready, that you like hop a little shot and we go back. <laughs> I think we might have time for one more question. Yes. The, the day you describe your typical day is pretty intense, particularly ending with a performance. How, how do you unwind and come back down again after a day like that, after, particularly an evening performance? question is, how do you unwind after such a hectic day followed by an evening performance? I have the life proof here. It's my baby. Thank you for the question, by the way. It was perfect. Here is my little Matty. This is his first public appearance. How do you feel, my son? He feels happy. Has he attended a ballet yet? Uh, he has been in the wings. Actually, he saw me uh, during a, a rehearsal of uh, Opus 19. He was in the wing with uh, his mother, Geneviève. And he, I think he appreciated it. I, I think he likes the light because uh, when we are at home, he's always looking at the light. But here he's like, oh, this is bigger, bigger light here. <laughs> it seems, he seems he likes it. Well, maybe we'll see him on stage up here maybe. one day. <laughs> He will make his choice. <laughs> well, Pascal, I want to thank you and Matisse for coming up and joining us. And I want to thank all of the audience for attending today. And I hope that you all enjoy this performance of The Little Mermaid. Thank you. Thank you.